Hello and welcome back to Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast. I'm joined by my co-host. Hello, it's Liam Dempsey here. And Paul Wilson. And we were lucky enough to chat today to actor Ronnie Rao Jr., who appears as Bryce in Star Trek Discovery. Uh, we chat to Ronnie all about his Star Trek fandom and his experience on the set of Season 1, uh, as well as some of his other projects, including Black Cop from director Corey Bowles, and In Contempt, his new TV show as well. Uh, along with that, with his uh, breaking in stories and uh, getting into the active business, the bug, what he loves about it, and all what's coming up for him next. It was a really fantastic chat, and I think you'll really enjoy it, isn't that right? Uh, it, was, it was terrific to talk to him, like, and actually get like the perspective of somebody who's been on the set of the most recent yeah. show, and give us that kind of really, I was there on on the day insight uh, and you know some of his um, recollections of uh, the cast and the interactions he saw so it's terrific to kind of get that insight yeah really exciting to hear and fantastic guy to talk to and all his other projects uh, just sound really interesting I think he's on the precipice of something big so sit back relax and listen to our interview with Ronnie Brown Jr. Uh, first of all then we'll talk about Star Trek Discovery and your role in that, obviously you play Bryce uh, in that, the comms officer. How did that come about? Um, well, <laughs> it, it was it was funny. I actually started as uh, just a shuttle pilot on the show. Yeah. And um, I mean, the, the, fir- the episode that I worked, uh, Akiva, one of our uh, producers, our EPs, was directing and he saw me doing my thing and he's like, you know what, I'm going to bring you back. And... And then Bryce was born. Oh, that's the best feedback you want there. Eh? Right? <laughs> yeah, but that's really cool then that you were literally brought on as a kind of more of a one episode thing. And then he said, oh, actually, I like what I see. Let's, let's bring you back. It was, it, it was lovely, man. I'm very flattered. And it was an awesome experience to just be part of, uh, of a legacy, you know? Yeah. Were you a Star Trek fan before or at all? Uh, Next Generation, yeah, I was uh, a big Next Generation guy. Uh, Captain Picard and, yeah, Riker, yeah, I loved it. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. Okay, so it it did feel like a cool thing for you to be joining that universe. Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. And the fact that uh, Jonathan Franks uh, directed one of the the episodes, I was like, oh, my God, like, you know, just... (laughs) geeking out but yeah again it it was just such a a big part of me growing up and and just uh, it it was ahead of its time with regards to the things they were doing on tv so it was just it's so great to be part of it was there a sense uh, ronnie that when you took the role of the shuttle pilot it was more of a kind of way to just get a a bit on the show to almost see it for yourself uh yeah yeah most most definitely because when i when i found out that they would be auditioning for it i was like i definitely have to be on the show and it didn't matter to what capacity. I just, I just wanted to be some part of Star Trek. So, um, yeah, I, I was just, I was so pumped to, to even have the opportunity to be on set. And then the fact that it grew into what it grew into was was amazing. What was it like on the first day on set, walking onto the bridge and seeing like this is this is the new bridge? Was it really, uh, really breathtaking? Oh, well, it was, it was beautiful. I, I was, I was Star Trek geeking out all day like just on my 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 um my section of the ship i was just like oh my god just playing with everything that they had and it's 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 just so interactive that you don't even have to be acting you know like they there's so much things going on on those screens and you're just you're there so 
it, it, yeah, it, it was quite something to be to be part of. It's funny with us revisiting the original series, like doing this podcast, to just see you know having the the lack of interaction with the, the set the original cast had to have. Essentially, well, like, there was nothing going on other than all. a camera crew right in front of their eyes. You know, they had to be you know uh, really like theatre dramatic acting there. Yeah, it, it, it's such a progression, you know, because like I remember watching some of the stuff and and where they're looking like, so, you know, sometimes eye lines are in different places. And <laughs> it, 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 it was just, you know, it's the, the progression of just the industry and technology and everything. It really you really see it coming forth in in this show. I think your part as well, you kind of you spending a lot of time on the bridge, you got the shuttlecraft. Were you able to kind of watch the like the pre visualization of what the special effects would look like in some kind of rudimentary form? Not really. Like they would, they would give us ideas, but it, it kind of made it more fun to me. So that when I watched it, I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is how this really looks." So <laughs> um, it, it was great to know that you're just sitting down looking at a green screen, and then after it's space, and <laughs> you're just like, "Wow!" It, like all parts, all the moving parts are so amazing and so important. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny how you say. If you look at the two, I've just rewatched the show recently. If you look at the two halves, because it kind of split in two, you yep. obviously get. It seems like you get a lot more to do in the second half, and you know, you're very much at the beginning. You're kind of just comms officer. In fact, like, there's a really funny moment where Rain Wilson actually <laughs> confronts you. I think he calls you random comms guy, yep. uh, which is a really funny little kind of like reference. And then oh. in the second half, it's very much your Bryce going like you know and then it's it's developing you're getting a bit more to do like it's interesting to me as an actor like how you, do you kind of fill in the blanks in terms of method in terms of have you got a backstory for bryce in your head well, well you I, I think as an actor you always kind of have to bring something um even if it's even if you're not told what it is just because you just need that that palpability the the layer behind what's going on so I always bring something. So like anytime I'm connecting with someone, I'm like, what's my relationship or how do I truly feel about this person, even though I'm supposed to maybe like them or dislike them? You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I always have something in the back of my head brewing. That's that's just me. I, my mind goes a million miles a minute. So um, it, it, it helps. And when Rain, <laughs> he, he is hilarious, first of all. But um uh, the, uh, some of the outtakes of, of things he was saying just had me crying. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, again, just it, it, when you're working with such talented people, you don't have to do much, right? Like he, he did enough for me to just all I had to do was react, you know? Yeah, yeah no, completely. And I mean, you know, it does feel like your character builds and builds throughout until we get to that finale. And there's mm -hmm. that big moment where everyone's kind of, you know, standing up against the Starfleet conspiracy uh, mm -hmm. who wanted people wanting to commit genocide against the Cleons and everything. And you're yep. one of the people who does stand up in that kind of spark us on the bridge moment. Um, and that that really feels like a culmination. Like you have all these little ancillary characters we see around the bridge who have been building up, having little moments throughout the season. And now this the big moment for the crew to come together and for the discovery to find finally have a kind of a real kind of combined crew yeah it, it it was great and i mean the the writers have been they've done such a lovely job um continuing to to build um like the characters that everybody sees so it's not just like a surface thing we definitely have the people that we're focused on um like michael and um Lorca at the time 
but uh, they're definitely expanding and they're doing a great job of giving you more information and I think they're going to continue to do that. Mm. In terms of uh, preparation with acting, uh, what was the production schedule like? Because I imagine back in the day when it was 22, 24 episode uh, seasons, like was, was it quite full on or was it quite spaced out, like for you especially? Um, it was it, it was pretty consistent to be quite honest. Uh, just it, they it's a fine oiled machine, mm. <laughs> you know, and it's it's just always moving and things are always happening. And I'll tell you this: just being on set is such a pleasure because everybody there it just has such a lovely energy about them from the the top of the food chain all the way to the bottom. Uh, it, it's just a a lovely thing, and I think that's why it it moves so. Well organically as well i was wondering because there's there's a documented kind of discovery production sort of worries about like perhaps the rewriting but from i get the sense from talking to you ronnie that all this kind of happened before cameras started rolling and then you know if there was stuff to kind of improvise it was kind of done in a really creative way most definitely and again they they trust the actors that they have and again we, we have some talented people heading the ship so they handled it like champions, <laughs> you know, like they were always just ready to go. And I, I know on one of the, the last sequences when we were at uh, Starfleet and Sonequa had um, that big that big monologue, like it, it, I, I know her prep time. She wasn't given that much time, but she she nailed it. It was it was beautiful. And again, to just see people work so efficiently um, with the time that they're giving is, is such an amazing thing to me. Yeah, no, I bet. One thing I did want to ask, actually, because you just mentioned uh, Lorca, uh, Jason Isaacs' character. And it's interesting to me to know whether you guys were kept in the dark about the big twist on the show. Um, At at a certain point, you knew what was going on because we get the material at at certain times. So you knew, but... you know we had to act (laughs) yeah yeah i mean that must have felt when you got that script and you were like oh that must have felt like a real holy shit moment Mm. oh for sure i was like oh man (laughs) because i just have been holding out on you this entire time as well (laughs) yeah you know i'm like oh larka you are a and then i'm not gonna say it on this podcast but (laughs) i'm like man but you know it, it was it was so fitting because of his his character and his demeanor on the show and he did jason did such a great job with uh with the character yeah no no he's he, he's fantastic um talking to you about this now ronnie can you tell us if you're coming back for season two <laughs> um uh, i can say that i know they're filming right now okay and and i'm gonna keep you guys in the uh, uh, possibly possibly i don't know i don't know that's a baby <laughs> okay a baby return of, yeah. return of bryce like uh yeah i mean I hope so, man, because, I mean, it, re- it really does feel, as I say, like, you know, you get to that season one finale of Discovery, and it feels to me as if Discovery was a show that was constantly evolving through its first season, kind of changing Definitely. time and time again, kind of the basic status quo. And when you get to that ending and everyone's kind of, you know, joining together to rally against this conspiracy and really stand up for the Starfleet values, it feels like you're very much a part of that team and, like, the, the crew has been solidified there so i think it would be definitely nice to have you back on the bridge it would definitely it would definitely be nice (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah sorry go ahead go Uh, ahead man no no you you go mate 
Um, uh, what was I going to say? God, I can't even remember right now. I'm so sorry. I'm just I'm smiling so much. It's it's, it's a great great time. <laughs> That's cool, man. I mean, what would you say your biggest takeaway would be from being involved in this project? Oh uh, wow! To to remain humble with whatever comes at you, and um, yeah, to to just stay grounded and, and be a good person. Because uh, again, I, I I speak of Sinequa so often, but her ability to just make everyone feel so involved on on set like from like background to 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 um craft everything like she she, she's just so interactive and and so welcoming she has such a big heart and it's it's something that i i bring with me on every set that i go to is to just be humble but uh, a big open ball of energy to make people feel as comfortable as they need to to mm. produce the best work that they can you think there's a, a, a bit of that kind of because this is star trek and a property i mean but right. like, there was a certain like expectation that this will be people will be watching because it's star trek that you guys can actually go right we know we've got people going to watch this let's like now really enjoy this experience and like make it the most creative it can be you know what? I, I it wasn't said, but I just feel that it was in the back of everyone's mind. Uh, I, I, there's not much people that don't know what Star Trek is. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. Sure. And and it's 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 with that, like especially for me being a Star Trek fan, like a genuine Star Trek fan. I was like, man, like I, I would just I would show up to work every day and I'd just be smiling out of my butt because I'm just like <laughs> I. I'm on Star Trek right now. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, I'm wearing this this uniform. I'm wearing a Starfleet uniform. It's, it, you know what I mean? I think it's just when, you, when you're able to take a step back from life and just stop and, and look at what you have in front of you, it, it's very easy to be very grateful. And, and I am every day I, I show up, I showed up on set and, and I continue to, to work. And it, it's just very, very, I'm very grateful. Thinking back about the comms officers of past, you know, in, in previous iterations of Trek, you've got, you know, Uhura, and mm -hmm. you've got Christian Slater in, uh, in a walk-on part in an undiscovered country. But, like, but did, you, did you kind of look back at kind of who had done that kind of job on the bridge? Once you realized you're going to be part of the bridge crew, did you kind of go, oh, I wonder what, the, the, what kind of parts they had before? I, I did, but I, I didn't want to go too in-depth with it because I just I wanted Bryce to be his own kind of guy. And um, his own kind of piece within the the greater scheme of it. So I did, but I didn't. You know what I mean? I was yeah. more just enjoying the overall, but being like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll be. That's me right there. Okay, cool. Let's go back to what's going on. See, so weren't disappointed. Uh, you didn't get a musical number. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I was good with that one. I was good with that one. <laughs> Have you had any uh, memorable like fan encounters since doing the oh, show? Like, yeah, come across anybody like on the street or out and about who's who's a big fan of the show and yourself? Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, I'll be at the gym and, you know, like people are giving me like the weird eye at first. And I'm like, uh, and then after like, hey, man, Star Trek. And I'm like, yeah, they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's again, it's 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 a franchise, right? It's a it's a dynasty. So a lot of people know about it. And uh, my face isn't covered. I'm not in prosthetics. So and I look the same for the most part. So, yeah, yeah. People, people come in and, and say things which is very very much appreciated you, you're not managing to stay hidden like Doug Jones 
Right, exactly. And Doug is, Doug is like the sweetest person in the world, by the way. Yeah, nobody but, knows what he looks like. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny, but he does so much. It's crazy. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's crazy that he has very much found a niche in those kind of roles, like Abe Sapien, like the fish man in Shape of Water. Yep. Um, but, you know, he brings such amazing physicality to those parts. Oh, it, it, it's like sometimes, because I'm... My station's behind or beside where Saru is for the most part. So any time he's making movements, I get to watch it. And I'm just like, this guy is like water. Like I'm like, Doug Jones is so fluid and and so in connection with his body. It's it's amazing. So he is the shape of water. (laughs) (laughs) Most definitely. (laughs) No pun intended. (laughs) Well, it is a really great cast, actually, on on Discovery, a really great ensemble. So it must be nice to be around that kind of group of actors all working together and kind of learning from each other. Uh, Again, it's it's magic. And the best part about it is just how genuinely great these people are like how they're just great human beings and that that's what makes all the difference there's a lot of talented people out there but sometimes they may not be the greatest people Mm. uh and like with the people that i've encountered on this production they've all been amazing so if you did come back for season two ronnie where mm-hmm. would you like to see bryce go from here would you like to see him step out from uh, his comms desk and pick up a phaser uh, of course i'm quite <laughs> a tricorder let's just exploration exploration yeah and and you know i want i want bryce communicating with a with a species i want him to to get out on a on um a little venture and and have to really use his his skills well, you know shuttlecraft experience that's that's going for you hey they, i got i got stuff on the resume so right <laughs> a mortal <laughs> episode <laughs> when bryce crashes down like, one man show Roddy Roddy. <laughs> you know hey for, to, to your mouth to the universe i'm gonna take it but uh, <laughs> uh yeah definitely definitely would love to see bryce just venture but um you know he's the He's the um, the gatekeeper with regards to who comes in and, and what we're getting out, you know, with regards to communication. And it's a it's a great thing. So, I mean, if I get the opportunity to 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 bring to Bryce again, I'm going to definitely make sure he's enjoying every moment of uh, of a comms officer. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, we hope so. We hope so. We got. Anything more we want to talk about Star Trek, mate? Um, no, I'm, I'm okay for now. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, moving on then, just kind of rewind, rewinding back a little bit. Unless you've got anything else you want to say about Discovery, Ronnie? No, I, I love everybody on the Discovery. So I love you guys. Awesome, awesome. Um, well, uh, just rewinding back then to kind of like the start of your career, Ronnie. What made you get into acting? Kind of like you know, what was the kind of key motivation in that? Uh, it was my grade six teacher. Okay. Um, uh, Mr. Baumgartner. <laughs> he uh, he kind of forced us, our, our whole class, to get into musical theater and, and get into theater productions. And it's because of that why I actually started acting. I, I always thought it was amazing that I would be memorizing lines. And I'm like, how, am I, how do I remember this? Like, how do I remember these lines? You know, when uh, I was doing stuff for... For Greece, I played Danny Zuko. I might be the first black Danny Zuko out there. I just want to let you guys know. Oh, that's um, awesome. 
So what uh, you're saying is you did want a musical number as Bryce, right? <laughs> hey, you guys, you guys started it, so now I'm going to finish it. You <laughs> start getting grease lightning on the bridge. <laughs> hey, man, I got my overhead lifters. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, just being exposed to that and, and just seeing how we kind of, I think along our journey of life, we, we find what we're good at, but don't necessarily listen to, to the signs. Mm. And I, I just think that acting was presented very early to me and it, it stuck, but I took a break off of it. But I always knew I was like, there's something about this, this expression of acting that that I just loved and that came easy to me. Was there a certain uh, film or performance that really stuck with you as well? I thought that's kind of the apex of what I'm aiming for, what I hope to achieve one day. Uh, what, I'll, what I'll say, there's so many movies, but I remember that I was watching Seven with, uh, with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman and Kevin Spacey. And the, the arc of that movie, especially with Brad's character um, and, and how it ended, I was like damn like it it, it it moved me because i was like you're supposed to be a cop and you know under control but this guy just brought you a scenario that you just couldn't you couldn't control yourself and that that whole arc of 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 that movie and the transition of it was was something that stuck with me and you and also i mean like films like la Han, you know yeah. uh, like like just you know the artistic like oh my gosh like stuff like that i was like wow you can really tell so many different stories like with dialogue but just also with cinematography it, the combination and the elements the moving pieces of the whole mm. is what really got me well that seems like a kind of perfect time then being that you've, you've said that brad pitt in seven was a big inspiration uh, to you being that he is playing an unhinged cop uh, right there, kind of perfect time to talk about Black Cop, uh, which obviously like is a, a, a movie that you've starred in recently, which Matt did go and see at the Curzon Soho. Uh, it is screening in the UK. Um, right. So, yeah, I think you've got some questions about that, haven't you, Matt? Yeah, no, it's fantastic. So I managed to catch it a few weeks ago at the Canada Now uh, Film Festival in, in London. Thank and you for checking that out, man. I appreciate No worries. It was, it was really fantastic. Like, it's such a powerful kind of like tone poem of a movie and it really is your movie like you're on every single frame and uh, mm -hmm. you know you kind of play this police officer who who um gets sort of racially profiled by a fellow officer when you're off duty and then you right. turn that power around and start basically basically treating other um like white citizens on the streets of uh is it toronto uh, it was actually filmed in in halifax right yeah. Nova Scotia, Canada, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> so you, yeah. So you kind of turn around on, on all these people and basically start treating them in the way that uh, black people are often treated by white police. And just to see that kind of contrast, just flipping that around, like no, there's nothing else really, really there and stuff, but it's just showing a different side of how people respond to authority. Um, what kind of drew you into to that role? And did you know about the project a lot beforehand? I, I, I didn't have a lot of notice with regards to the project, but um, I've worked with Corey Bowles before, and Corey is such a talented mm. writer, director, everything. Um, and after I read the script, I was like, yeah, I def these are the kind of stories I want to be telling um, because it, it, it's a switch of perspective, yeah. right? And a, a lot of times people 
don't understand what something is because they can't empathize with it. And they can't empathize with it because they don't see themselves in it. And, and, and with that, um, Black Cop, it, it's a, a jarring movie, but it's a necessary movie because it's hard to, you know, we hear about like, like things happening in places and you're like, oh yeah, that's rough. But y- you really don't empathize or embody it because you're like, but I, I, I don't know how it feels to have my, my home blown up. Yeah, it I doesn't don't. happen to me. So yeah, you know what I mean? So you're like, yeah, that's horrible, but you really can't, you really can't empathize and feel what it, what that is. You yeah. know, and, and when I saw that Black Hop, we could we could flip the script and put the the shoe flip like flip the shoe on the on the person. I'm like, this has to be done, especially because it's such a a prevalent problem that's going on. Like p- people are being shot armed and mm. and being profiled just because of how they look. I and mean, I'm yeah. like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. even in the movie and in many times, there was a, a description. And it was a vague description, and you just jumped on maybe one piece of article of clothing that you could match and jumped all over it because you wanted to. Yeah, exactly, because there's, there's an amazing scene in the film where you, you approach the, uh, the sort of middle-aged, middle-class doctor, and <laughs> all, you, all you kind of say is, like, there's a report of a burglar in the area of someone matching your description, basically just kind of doing that thing of latching onto, like, a hoodie or, or hair colour or something really vague. And right. just seeing his response and being so outraged by it, and it's just really flipping that whole thing. But yeah, there's, there's a great line in the film as well where someone says, uh, if you claim you don't support something, challenge it. And it's definitely that attitude going into this film. Yeah, the rookie cop, uh, Sophia yeah. Walker, is the one that said that. I remember when they were in the cafe. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's the, it's the truth, you know? And, and that's exactly what Black Cop did. And I just, again, I, I really, I had to take it because I'm like, I'm okay if people don't like me because I took this role, but I just think that it's a role that people need to see, and and I enjoyed the heck out of it. Yeah, well, it's a really complex character because you're never quite sure where where you are. Like you've you have the, <laughs> the kind of catalytic moment at the start where you get accosted by your fellow officers, but but you, you're kind of, there's shades of good and bad from the very beginning right to the very end. And yep. what you know, and and it's. Uh, you know, there's moments throughout the film where it's just you addressing the audience through a fourth wall kind of monologue. I mean, they must have been so great to have as an actor on the page and to get to do. Oh my gosh! Again, yeah, like that's why I was like, I have to take this role just because it's there's so much to do. Like you have you have all of this art that you could take off the page and then turn it into something, and mm-hmm. hopefully, I did that. And um, and yeah, again, Corey was very, very trusting in what he allowed me to do, and I, I just did what I could. Like, I wonder, did, did Corey or yourself, because um, one of the films it reminded me of is Bronson, the Tom Hardy mm. prisoner movie, in which he has a, a, a good few number of monologues to camera, uh, sort of in a fantasy theatrical environment. Was that any uh, inspiration? Were there any particular films that you took as inspiration for those scenes? I'm 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 almost positive uh, it was in the back of Corey's mind, but mm. um, I, I mean I remember seeing Bronson, so I just knew. But again, I, I don't li- I don't like to pull too much from what I've seen. I, I just like to try and create whatever I'm feeling from the emotion that that is called for it, and then just let her rip. Yeah, well, there's an amazing balance between kind of cinematic language here and just just realism, because so much of the film throughout the series of confrontations with the citizens is done through like dash cameras or chess cams. So it really puts you in your shoes. It, I, I loved Corey's choice with regards to using the different mediums of, mm. 
uh, of that. You know what I mean? Because it really puts you in there like the chess cam. You're like, whoa, this is this is jarring. And and even with the uh, when he encountered the pregnant woman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how it, that was just captured on the phone footage. It, it, I, I thought he made great choices and he was very brave in what he did. Yeah, it's like a sense of dread building up throughout because as you're going along, the, a, a number of these encounters, I don't think the character realizes he's being filmed, but we see it through the eventual phone footage or CCTV footage and you just keep thinking in the back of your head like this is somehow going to come back and bite you in the, well, in the, the ass. That's the kind of realism because so many of these yeah. incidents, these flashpoints are recorded by a third party, you know, yeah. from a distance you know via various media and we're getting more and more of this but it's kind of it definitely adds to that like immediacy of the whole thing yeah yeah it's it's the realism of it all but but just knowing that like in this reality like you someone someone's watching you <laughs> like you know what i mean like like there's always there's always a camera rolling mm. yeah i mean certainly i mean that's a very interesting point i mean <laughs> You know, a movie like this is obviously very important because this problem is not going away. No. Um, you know, I swear a day doesn't go by now that we don't see another uh, video on social media of, you know, some poor black kid getting attacked by a white cop. I, mean, I literally saw one the other day um, with, with, like, this massive white cop, like, literally kind of smashing this poor little black kid down, like, he put his knee on his back and everything like that. And it's I, and apparently he's, he's been... He's done loads of incidents like this. And the thing is, what, what I can't quite fathom and understand is the fact that we're living in an age where we are our own media. Like, you know, it's, it's all out there, and this is... But it seems to be actually getting... You know, if we look back to something like Rodney King... It seems mm. like that got a far bigger impact and effect than it does now, and we're seeing this every day. Yeah, and, and I think I think part of that is the desensitization mm. of it. Yeah, is that you know you you see it so much, and and just like in the film, people are always going to try and justify an action of an authority figure. Yeah, yeah, it's just become you normalized, know? and it should yeah. be something that's ever normalized. And it's amazing and how you're using your art, though, to kind of make those points because it does bring it into focus for somebody like um, who doesn't go through this on a day-to-day basis. For example, who is white, you know, it takes something like The Handmaid's Tale for people to go, "Oh, that's what women are going through," or like that. that. Yeah, it, it, no, no, sorry, I, I was just agreeing completely with what you're saying, and and that's the thing, right? It's you cannot. You empathize with something unless you see yourself in it that's why like you know the whole black panther movement and mm-hmm. and stuff like that like you know it's it, it's great for young ethnic people to see that because you're like yo oh wow i i can i can i can get to this pinnacle you know what i mean yeah. instead of instead of seeing it at, like in like these huge gaps so um i i think the rodney king thing hit more because it wasn't televised. Like you don't see this every week. Someone getting beat down or or getting shot in cold blood. You know, mm. like that. It, that was something that was. It's like, oh, whoa, 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 what? This is still happening, but it happens more often than we know. Yeah, I'm. I'm really curious. Have you been able to go along to any screenings of the film or any Q and As and hear conversation there or, or what people are asking Corey and yourself? Um, most definitely. I was actually supposed to to come down to the the UK. Ah, um, okay. Yeah, I really wish I, I got to do it because I got family out there. But um, yeah, like it, again, it it opened a lot of people's eyes, and uh, I was able to go to some smaller towns in, in 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 Canada and stuff like that where the demographic wasn't hugely populated with like minorities or blacks. Mm. So 
for for people to take in the movie is like you know they're like oh shit uh okay you know like that's that's really not cool but it's it's interesting how it it really becomes not cool when you see yourself in it Mm. Mm. that's the key (laughs) change that this film does by doing that reversal and I think I think it's so important. I think it, 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 you just said it with like the women, right? We, we have to really put ourselves in the shoes of a woman, w- which is hard to do because we are not. But like you know, to truly empathize with them, you have to understand. Like, yeah, I want to dress like like a way that makes me feel sexy, but then I might get objectified because of that. Mm, mm. yeah and like yeah it shouldn't be a, a choice like it shouldn't be like you know oh you should do what you feel is comfortable and right for you but exactly why should it be about about like safety like that is yeah but that is the reality right. of it yeah um yep. also what i found interesting ronnie was the fact that obviously this is a canadian film set in mm-hmm. canada um, yep. yeah i was actually kind of quite surprised when i, I found out that was the case because you obviously naturally assume um, that this film would be set in America and that mm-hmm. would be the issues. But actually reading about it, Canada is often very depicted as this far more enlightened, almost liberal utopia type place. <laughs> actually, this kind of seems to be shining a light on saying no, that the same problems are happening here. Yeah, like it's definitely more magnified in the US. But I mean, I've I've been profiled for like so many times. I've been pulled over. I've been stopped. Like, I mean, that's why I was able to be as angry as I was in the movie is because I've, I've, I've lived, I've lived those experiences yeah. like for no reason. Yeah. What was there a particularly like tough? I mean, I mentioned all pretty tough, but was there like a scene in particular you remember shooting that really kind of got to you as, as you were performing? Um, no, you know what? Not really, because as soon as I got down to start filming, I already, put my myself in this kind of this energy mm. <laughs> of and it just like kept on compiling memories or feelings and a- anything that could fuel this character so as soon as i got off the plane i was already i was already putting stuff in the in the toolbox yeah um, but I, I, again to to just go through it it's so easy to re to relive something mm. so easy no, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, with, with that, how did you come involved in the project? Like when you first saw that script come through, mm-hmm. was that a real connective moment in terms of, wow, this is what I've been waiting for here? Uh, yeah, most definitely. It's it, it, to, to be the number one on any project, regardless of what the scale is, there's there's a lot of responsibility to it. And I was I was really just looking forward to the the opportunity of being a catalyst of energy. You know, and I feel the the film did what it it's doing because there was such a collective harmony towards what we were doing. Every everybody knew what the film was about. Everybody wanted the film to be great, and everybody made sacrifices and did what they had to do in order to make the film. And and was it tightly scripted or were there moments of improv because it, it has a very naturalistic feel to it. So I wonder how much of that is on the page to on the screen. You know what? It, it I I I'm it's almost verbatim wow. to be quite honest. Like yeah, like when I think about it I I didn't go off the hinges much if at all. And if it was it might have been like a like a word like man or or something mm. like that, but Corey Corey put me in such a a good situation with what he wrote on the page that 
that's why I wanted to do it too, because you know, like as an actor, you can read something and it's like, I almost, it was already in my body the first time I read it. Yeah. It's amazing. That's a, that's great direction as well, because if you've got a film that say kind of feels very free form in the way it's shot and you're reactive to actually, you know, this isn't reactive. This is like obtaining what we set out to do. That's right. something very special on the filmmaking front as well. Oh, it, 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 it's such a it's such a lovely feeling, you know, and and it's lovely that it came off as naturalistic because that's that's what I want to portray as a an actor. I don't want you to know I'm acting. Mm. I want you to be like, yo, this this guy's just in a a, a whirlwind of poop right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it feels like this is the film that I guess Corey's been trying to try and make or been wanting to make for a while. Like, it definitely feels like this is from the core of him and not just a like, oh, I'm just gonna get a movie made and this is it. it feels like you know this is everything he's been leading to yeah most definitely and i mean cory has been doing this for a while he's been directing and writing for a while and i i honestly think he could have he could have put out a, a film a feature a, a few years ago and he would have been ready mm. but i think the timing of what he did and when he did it was absolutely perfect he he mastered his craft and i can't wait for for the other things that he's going to work on because he he really is um just a a master artist like musically um movement wise like everything and he's he's all about story and and truth yeah well it's a really fantastic film man, and a really fantastic performance like it's it's one that i really think can can reach a lot of people and i hope it gets a really great release do you have do you have any idea of what its plans are um, well, I know we have uh, we got a digital release in the U.S. with uh, Samuel Goldwyn, mm -hmm. so that's doing its thing right now. We're gonna have a theatrical release in Canada uh, come June first. Fantastic! And then um, I believe I believe it, it may be making its way um, overseas to you guys. There, I, I um they 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 give me stuff in in spurts but um, i'm i'm hearing some good news about it getting some more exposure to to get overseas so that's amazing yeah these guys need to check yeah, it out I'm looking yeah forward to it. i hope so because obviously it was a one-off screening in uh, soho when it happened unfortunately paul and i were already booked elsewhere um and we really really want to see it uh, so we're hoping it does come over for another couple of screenings or at least like a digital blu-ray release or something like that because it, it does sound amazing we really want to check it out I'm, I'm sure you it's definitely going to get some a digital digital down there for sure so you'll definitely be able to uh, catch it awesome awesome and it's interesting actually that you mentioned um the Black Panther movement, and I presume you are talking about Black Panther, the film, rather the Black Panthers <laughs> as an organization. Um, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't get me, don't get me in trouble here, Leo. Don't get me in trouble here, man. I mean, I do think it is really cool and a, a real move towards thinking that a, a filmmaker like Ryan Coogler, who yeah. made Fruitvale Station, which of course was about kind of, you know, the police violence yep. uh, against black people that we've seen is now making a film like Black Panther that's had yeah. such mass penetration. Uh, it's it's amazing. Uh, Ryan Coogler is, is a super talent. I loved Fruitvale Station. I was, I was bawling my eyes out when I watched that thing. Um, yeah, like it, just a powerful piece of, of truth, you know? Yeah. And I, I, that's that's what I love about the arts is that we are able to tell truths in a way where it's not so abrasive for people to take in. 
Yeah, no, no, completely. It makes it mm. kind of palatable, almost. Exactly. It? It's kind of easy to kind of ingest. And it's finding the humanity in 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 uh, in stories that may well have just been news stories. So everything that happens in Fruitvale Station, you may have just read a headline or a bit of clickbait or something to do with it. But films like that can just get to the core of like the human interaction. And I, I swear, there's a bit in that film where all um, Michael Michael B. John wants is a hug from his mum at one point, and it just crushes me. You know. Yeah, <laughs> like it's. It, but that's what I loved about the film is that you know you hear about these victims, but you you also got the opportunity to see the as you said the human within the person. Right? He wasn't mm-hmm. perfect, which none of us are. Right? But he still got his life taken away because of a a bad choice. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's exactly it. I think filmmaking and, and cinema and storytelling can connect with us on a human level that perhaps sometimes, weirdly, news stories and stuff can't. They pass us by, but when we see it depicted, uh, fictionalised um, as a story which is based on emotion and empathy we see the humanity in it and it, it touches us and you know that has led to so many kind of changes I mean over here in the UK you know things like Kathy Come Home uh, Ken Loach's Kathy Come Home and Jimmy McGovern's mm-hmm. Hillsborough got law changes and like investigations into injustices done and actually real real change happened because Amazing. of fiction being depicted on screen because people yep. found a way to connect exactly and that's the power of art Exactly that. Um, right. One thing we did want to ask you about, Ronnie, was you are now in one of the uh, main roles in a series called In Contempt. I've that seen you correct. on the poster with your bow tie. <laughs> like, uh, so this is this is a big big moment. I would have thought. Uh, oh, most definitely. Um, in Contempt is again just dealing with some really intense and important issues um again just dealing with the minority issue of 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 profiling but also the the defense system because you got people that can't afford to really hire lawyers um going up against this big machine that 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 already has so much leverage against them you know, and and Terry Cop, the the showrunner and writer of uh, In Contempt, she she really articulates it beautifully. She was actually a defense attorney for years, wow. so she saw it firsthand. And In Contempt is it, it's a uh, it's another special one. I, I was very happy to be a part of that. And I, yeah, I played the uh, <laughs> the prosecutor, but also it, it just what's articulated on the show. Um, is 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 amazing and it's it's eye-opening yeah i mean this is like a a, a big kind of legal drama isn't it it's on um where, where is it screening it's a it's a legal drama on bet it shows on tuesday at nine or ten central okay cool and this is like uh you know a, a 10 episode kind of like thing isn't it much more within the kind of uh, new age of TV, kind of shorter yeah. season, um, short and sweet. Yeah, and the and the cast. I mean, to me at least, from the poster, looks kind of super diverse. Oh, it, it, it's it's tremendously diverse. You know, you got uh, Erica Ash is is heading it. Got Christian Keys, um, Megan Hutchkins. Um, we got Muna T. 
um, Richard Lawson. There, you, you see every shade and color and size on that show, and I think it's a beautiful thing. I, again, being able to see yourself represented on on the platform in which you aspire to be on is is, is powerful. Mm, and your your character, the uh, prosecutor. Can you tell us a bit more about him? So I play ADA Deshay and I'm the prosecutor, um, basically the nemesis of Gwen, the uh, the lead of the show and uh, the whole defense attorney team, pretty much. But I I just people. It's interesting because, you know, some some black people see the show and be like, oh, man, like, why are you playing a, a guy that wants to just put away young black men or people of color? And it's like you have to remember, I'm still playing a prosecutor and my job is to put away bad guys so the people that i am going up against are still considered to have done something bad well that's very interesting then isn't it because being that the cast like i say seems to be incredibly diverse mostly uh, people of color playing the roles it, it instantly someone's got to be the bad guy uh, and, you know, it's obviously you've been put into the prosecutor in that role and it's kind of showing the kind of interracial conflict uh, that you might have in that situation where you've got a cast, which is all going to be made up of people of colour. You can't just have like, you know, you think, what would those people be more happy if a white guy was playing that role or something so they could kind of boo hiss at him? Oh, uh, oh for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's interesting to show because like you say, it's that thing of kind of showing that, well, actually you're a prosecutor and your job is to put people away uh, whether you know i presume you know not having seen the show as of yet uh presume there's perhaps some real kind of conflict in terms of sometimes the people you're trying to put away perhaps they're perhaps they are innocent uh, yeah. and you know it's exploring that you're not always going to be on the side of right exactly Exactly. And um, I mean, it, it's such a, a, a lovely dance with regards to that, because it's it, it all comes back to just being colorblind to everything. And I think this goes for uh, Black Cop. This goes for Star Trek. Everything is that if you just looked at the morals of what it is we're looking at. It's getting people to Would, assess that this is on justice's basis, isn't it? Like, it, what we're yeah. all trying to get here is justice. It's not about profiling. It's not about like who, wherever everybody's from. And having you in that role like helps people confront that that the system is there to actually administer justice. Yeah, right. Like you know, he he's playing that that thing to 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 open up different conversations and not just see it within this thing that you're used to. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like. It's like even with um, the, the per police brutality stuff, if you just like because the, some of these police officers are walking away, but you have to look at just wrong being wrong. Right. And if someone's taking somebody's life unjustly, that's wrong. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, interestingly, being that it is illegal drama stuff, have you, has it confronted those kind of issues of the injustices that are currently going on within the legal system in relation to people of color? Well, yes, that's the main the main um, theme of it is are, are these certain injustices that happen or, you know, like underage young men being trialed as adults. Mm. You, you know what I mean? Like you have a, a, a 14, I think he was 14 or 16 year old being trialed as a, tried as an adult. So these are kind of almost influenced by real life cases as it were. Most definitely. You know what I mean? And also sentence sentences, you know, where, where <clears throat> uh, a, a black, a black offender would get like 20 years, you know, a white offender might get 
like five years probation. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of almost the the prequel to Oz before they yeah. end up in that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you, you uh, know, it's oh, really interesting. Um, how's how's it been received so far? Because it's currently airing at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, it's currently airing. I, uh, we're going on to episode seven. Right. Um, coming up this Tuesday, so it's being well received. Um, the writing is fantastic, and people are very happy with the political um, themes that the the show is hitting. So it, it's uh, it's right in the temperature of where things are. It's very relevant with regards to 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 the climate of of the world right now. And um, I, I just I just think it's, again, a very important piece. So I'm just happy that I'm able to be part of it, to be well, quite honest. It's supposed to be interesting, uh, great for you, Ronnie, to kind of be in projects that are kind of catching the zeitgeist from Black Cop, this show. And, you know, with Star Trek being just what everybody's talking about because they've been looking forward to a show like that for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, the, re- the return of Star Trek to television after such a long time away. You know, it, it just do you, do you consider yourself like that's quite a, a, something consciously you've gone after or is it just something that just happened? I, I think I think that the universe is just staring me in a direction, and I'm just I'm just along for the ride. Um, it, it's I just it's funny how it's all just lined up, but they all kind of have this political undertone. Um, so I, I'm happy with it, though. I'm happy to be a, a catalyst of it. So I, I'm good. Well, and also with with discovery as well. That's a, that's another case of being a real hot topic of that being a far more diverse cast oh, uh, than we, <laughs> we've had before with Sonequa leading the show um, and obviously a gay relationship being front and centre uh, yep. with Anthony Rapp and uh, Wilson Cruz's characters. Um, obviously, I'm sure you've heard, Ronnie, about some of the kind of negative feedback there's been uh, towards that from some kind of you know subsections of the fan community. What, oh, definitely. What do, you, what, do you, what do you think about that? Um, I, I, I understand, I understand what, what they're trying to say, but I'm like, Star Trek is universal. Mm. It's <laughs> it just, just look at the name. It's, it's supposed to touch on everything and everyone. That's why Saru's on the, on the bridge. That's why Ray's is on the, the, the bridge. That's why you're always there. And you know, that's why Arium's there. We have, we have androids we have humans we have aliens we have different species and it's like within just earth we have we might have just humans that we know of but the color shouldn't change any of that mm. so yeah. um i i think that's what that's what star trek is <laughs> no completely and it has been from the beginning i mean you know i'm sure you've heard that anecdote about nichelle uh, nichols talking to martin luther king uh, about put, possibly leaving the show back in the day and him saying to you, you can't do that. Ahura is such an icon for kind of, you know, yep. young black women and stuff. You've, you've got to do that. You are the only one who's representing us out there on the television screen at the moment. And then her going back and telling Gene Roddenberry, the creator, about that and him kind of bursting into tears going, well, then I got it right. This is, you know, this is what I wanted. Amen. Yeah, and, 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 and that's what it is. And I just I just take my hat off to the, the whole producing team because they boldly went where a lot of people didn't want them to go. Mm. Yeah, no, exactly. As as they always should be in Star Trek. So what projects are you up coming up, Ronnie, that you're excited about? 
Um, right now, just, uh, just, just trying to see if I could get, get back on, uh, on this, uh, discovery thing. <laughs> yeah. You, you've been trying to sneak on set every day. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, some, some love mail, not hate mail, but love mail. <laughs> um, <laughs> and honestly, just, just continuing to work my person, my human being, just, just trying to be a great person and, and evolve my career. And they, they kind of just keep on going hand in hand. So just working myself and, and and just being thankful for what comes, man. Uh, there isn't anything really. I'm just doing a lot of writing and reflecting, and that's what the focus is right now. And when the work comes, I I smile very big and and enjoy it all. That's amazing. Because yeah, I was wondering with with your work with Corey and everything. Like, what has he inspired you to try your hand at, at writing or directing, or is or is acting the main focus going forward as well? No, 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 no. It's 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 about expression. So yeah, mm. just working on some. Uh, some poetry and some spoken word right now i'm working on uh, a film script right now just just keeping keeping the juices flowing because i'm just so inspired with the people that i'm around and with the work that i see that's awesome man what's that can you tell us anything about the film script or oh it's going to be a romantic comedy and i'm going to show a little bit of the comedic chops out here Oh, okay, nice. cool. That's interesting. Sounds sounds very different. I was expecting you to say a searing political commentary. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I've been I've been doing too much of that stuff, man. People <laughs> yeah, think I'm it's, angry. It's a palate cleanser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You need you so, need a break from all that. It's hilarious. People will see me on 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 the street that have seen Black Cop, and they're like, "You're so much different than I thought you'd be." I was like, "Well, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> it's called acting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how's In Contempt looking for uh, season two? Is that happening? Well, still still waiting to hear word, but I'm getting I'm getting good buzzes about what's going on. So I'm going to stay optimistic with it because, again, I just think that the stories and the 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 things that we're bringing to the stage are are fantastic. So I, I'm I'm optimistic. Yeah, it's really good to hear that you're keeping like the, you know yourself creative. You keep the juices flowing, as you say, in between projects. I mean, because the thing is, you can't make big plans until you kind of hear how things are about to pan out, don't you? So it's really nice that you're doing stuff. Oh yeah, you got it. You got to keep it moving. And you say you got family over here, Ronnie? I do. I do. <laughs> well, I just, I just know um, my aunt. Pretty big family, but I know she, she lives close to uh, Chelsea Stadium. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, uh, well, so, no, okay. you have to. If you ever come over our way, mate, let us know. We owe you a drink, and uh, we can do another one of these and chat some more. If you if you if you find your inveigle your way into season two of Discovery, you can come give us the exclusive <laughs> over in the UK. Hey, okay, cool. Sounds great, guys. <laughs> okay, mate. I mean, it's been great to speak to you, mate. And we don't want to take up too much of your time, but it's been really, really good to chat to you about all of this. Likewise, man. It's been a pleasure, guys. I, I appreciate you. If you enjoyed this episode of Spotlight and wish to support us, you can rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter at SpotlightPod. You can also get in touch and drop us a message directly by emailing spotlightpod at gmail.com.